1: Our call to confession this morning is from Daniel 9, verse 8. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. A deep sense and a clear sight of sin, its heinousness and the punishment which it deserves should make us lie low before the throne of God. We have sinned as Christians. How can that be? In Christ, we are the favorite of God and yet we have been ungrateful. We are privileged beyond most, yet we have not brought forth fruit in proportion to our privileged state. Too often we view our sin in reference to our past sin before we were regenerate, or we we view it in comparison to the sins of the world of non-Christians. We think, well, yes, I still sin, but at least not like I used to, or at least not like them. We pardon ourselves, And we think too lightly of our sin. We may not sin as we once did before the light of Christ shone in our hearts. We may not and hopefully not sin as do the unregenerate of the world. Yet we still sin. And when we do, we sin against the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Light that has penetrated the darkness of our minds and love that has purified our souls. This, dear saints, is an atrocity. When the wicked of the world sin, they are simply doing what is natural to them. They are acting from their only identity, fallen and unregenerate slaves to sin. In fact, their sin, no matter how terrible, really is modest compared to our sin because we have a new identity. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are God's elect people and have communion with Him through Christ and the indwelling of His Holy Spirit we need to stop dealing gently with our sin and put an end to making excuses for it. If we are blasé about our sin and careless about the threat of temptation, then indeed to us belongs shame of face. We have sinned. Let us then seek a spirit of penitence. Let us, like the Apostle Peter, lament our sin with bitter tears. Let us always be alert and on guard, recognizing our sin as sin and confessing it to God. Let's remember that these sins of ours, whether before or after our conversion, whether big sins or little sins, whether really bad or just a little bad, all of them would condemn us to the place of unquenchable fire if we were not for the sovereign mercy of God through Christ. Brothers and sisters, let us seek that divine mercy. If you are willing and able, please kneel with me as we confess our sins.
2: Gracious Heavenly Father, we we thank you for for this wonderful day you set apart for us. And for having your word before us. And having the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it. And to apply it into our hearts. So please be with us as we go go through this passage. In Jesus' name we, we pray. Amen. Kids, what do you think about our planet? Have you ever seen a picture of our planet, the earth, from the space, took from the space? Yes? Oh, good. It's look beautiful, isn't it? Peaceful. It actually it's looking a complete order. But look sometimes can be what? Deceiving. Especially for us who are living here right now When we turn to the news, we know what's going on right now. Perhaps the kids do not know, but we adults, we know how our world is going right now. And it seems that the more we know The more we feel out of control and we may even despair and lose our hope regarding our world. For those who are grandparents, you may have already this feeling, look to your grandkids and what's going to be, what's going to happen with them in this world? And we may be tempted to make those kind of questions, what's going on here? Is there any hope for the future? Is, is there anybody in charge here? Is this water going anywhere? Is there any point to human history? Again, who is in charge here? Donald Trump? So, now, get this picture that we have from the space And then get inside this world. We know what's going on. We know what's happening right now. In Africa. In the Middle East. Now what about God's plan? The big picture that we have from God's plan. Perhaps we can pick up the book of Revelation chapter 21. And we can summarize God's plan as. A perfect people. In a perfect place. Perfectly enjoying God forever that's the picture that we have from Revelation 21 no disease, no cry, no sin no death but now again what about looking is God deceiving us because if we look to the church today we may be tempted to despair in the same way isn't it Look at the theology of the church today. Look to, to, to the prosperity gospel. Look at the church in the Mideast being persecuted, put to death because of Christ. Is God deceiving us? Is this picture from Revelation 21 a deceiving one? So it is in times like that that we may be tempted to despair that we need to step back. And see the big picture. And how every, everything fits together. And the book of Revelation. Help us to do that. Especially in chapter 5. That we read right now. Because this chapter is the climax. Of these great picture. And from chapter 5. We have the. The vantage. Points of eternity. To see the world. To see the outcome of this world. It is here in this chapter that we find the answer for all those questions. And the answer is just one. Yes, yes, there is a point to all of this. Yes, this, there is a goal that we are having toward. Yes, there is someone in charge here, brothers and sisters. There is someone in charge, not only to reveal the course of this world. But he also in charge of them, and that's the good news for you, for me today. He is in charge of ruling all things for the good of his kingdom, for the good of his people, his church, the gospel. So my hope today is that you, you can see that because Christ conquered, he is worthy of being in charge, and he is worthy for receiving all worship. All worship, and that is what chapter five is all about—the worthiness of the Lamb. And basically, what we're gonna do now—you have your notes in the bulletin—we're gonna break up this this chapter in three main moments that we can relate it to, even our days: the problem, the solution, and the response. So, our first point: the problem. What is the problem? The problem is that we are not in charge anymore. We are not in charge anymore. You may ask, well, but when we were? And actually, we were in charge. But for, for us to understand here the problem that we have here, the problem that John is seeing here, we need to understand the scroll. The scroll is the key to disclose this passage, to understand the problem, to understand the solution, and to understand the response. Because the, the scroll, if we look back to the Old Testament, it gives us two main significance here. And the first one is that the scroll, is the, it is the title deed to earth itself. In other words, the scroll symbolizes ownership. And here, is especially speaking about God's rights of his creation, because he is the creator. Is that what chapter 4 is talking about here in Revelation? He owns, as Psalms 24 described, The earth and all all who live in it are permanently God's possession by His right of creation. But then this, this creation was given to a people, to a nation. In Leviticus 25, we see that the land, in a micro sense, was a permanent gift from God to his covenant people, the Hebrews, the Israelites. And there was an order to them, they should not sell the land. That's the reason why, when in 1 Kings chapter 21, Ahab approached Naboth to buy his vineyards. And his answer was, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. You're not supposed to sell the land. It's a gift from God. But if in any case, a person for being poor, going through a financial hardship, had sold the land, any of his kin or relative could come and redeem it. But kids, here is a Sunday school question: Where in the Bible have you seen a person, as well, receiving a land from God to be God's royal steward, and then he end up losing? Who was the first man who did that? Adam. Genesis. So you see. Just as any Israelite could sell or lost his land for a moment. So Adam lost his God-given dominion over the earth. And after the fall, mankind, you and me, we are not in charge anymore. And Satan become what? Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, that he became the the God of this world. So today when you turn the news and you see and listen this world falling apart in an evil manner, remember this is the result of the fall and the temporal and impartial govern of the evil one. That's the world that we are living now. But there is another thing about this scroll here. It is about the content. Not just ownership. But what is in it, the content of the scroll. And going back to the Old Testament, Ezekiel's scroll, chapter 2 and 3. Ezekiel's scroll symbolized, at that time, the message that Ezekiel had to deliver to God's people. And it was to God's people, and it was a message of judgment, specifically. But now this scroll here is different. It, it represents God's plan for all mankind. In particular, God's plan of redemption and vindication to His covenant people, the Church, and God's plan of judgment, condemnation for His enemies. So this crow here not only is not only concerned believers but also non-believers. But in order for God's plan to continue to be accomplished. Someone who is worthy. We are not talking about someone who can. Anyone could open. But who is worthy to open the scroll. In order for God's plan to continue to be accomplished. There has to be someone worthy to open it. Otherwise. Neither the church can be vindicated. Nor God's enemy can be judged. Evil will continue would you continue forever without being punished. And that's the sense that we have today. Especially for my country, Brazil. We have discovered the, the, the historical corruption in the world. Just this year, five five fifty eight billions billions of dollars being stolen by politicians. And you would think as a church, Oh Lord, when the evil will be judged? Just when we find one who is worthy to open it. In verse 2 and 3, John hears this question, Who is worthy to break the seals? I mean, the seven seals and open the scroll. And as the numbers of the seals indicate here, this scroll is perfectly and divinely sealed. So only one who is perfect and divine you'd be able to would be able and be worthy to take it from God's hand and to open it. And here is the problem. No one was qualified. You may, you may think about Abraham, you may think about Moses, David. No. No one of them was qualified to to claim such a status. As Paul says in Romans 3 verse 10, no one righteous, even one, not even the saints around the throne could bring themselves to look to this book to see whether they would qualify to open it. all these names that we mentioned here. Abraham, Moses, David. Although they had all experience, experienced great power in overcome death. And became, became like Christ in his resurrection. As they did. All of this was by God's grace. Not by any of their merits. But here we are looking for someone who is self-righteous. Perfect holy and able to open the scroll by his own merits, not by imperial one. And he must be a man, remember, because it is the lost state of man that must be redeemed. So we are looking for someone who is 100% God and who is 100% man. But verse 3 says, no one was found. And there was a silence. 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 I think we can relate to that silence. That's a silence when we stop to hear the gospel. That's a silence we, when we, are, we feel hopeless. We are deaf to the gospel. But John breaks this silence and starts to weep and weep over the fact that no one was found. To open the scroll and to fulfill God's plan and to confirm God's victory. So John cries, and here's a cry, brothers and sisters. We should care ourselves until our Lord's return. We should have this cry in our hearts. This is the cry which longs for the vindication of the church, the redemption of the church. This is the cry of the martyrs, as we read, How long, O oh Lord? Revelation 6. I think sometimes we Christians, we get so used to this earth, to this planet, but we should carry this cry in our heart How long, O oh Lord, are you come? Are you still expecting the return of Jesus? Or the earth itself is fine for us? How long, O oh Lord? How long? Can you see how hopeless and powerless we are when it comes to salvation and judgment? Can you see here um, the weight and tension that John is feeling right now? So this is the cry which... Recognize that there is no salvation in our, no, in our own. There is no hope in ourselves because we are not in charge anymore. But after these moments of hopeless silence, John hears the gospel, and here we turn to the second point the solution. We are not in charge, but the land is in charge. The lamb is in charge. Verses 5 and 6. We are told that John first heard. He heard about the lion who, who conquered. But when he turns. He still what? A lamb. Having all visible marks of being slain. And yet the lamb is not laying on the ground deadly. But standing. Receiving all worship. So here is the paradox solution for the church today. Because the lion is also the lamb. As we know, Jesus conquered not by force, but by suffering. An obedient suffering. Jesus conquered not by violence, but by death. A sacrificial death. We can say that the triumph of the lion is based on the sacrificial blood of the lamb. That's the paradox here. But we have this figure, the lion as well. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Which go, goes back to the Old Testament. Genesis 49, verse 9. When Jacob, Israel... Was bestowing a final blessing on his sons. And he compared Judah with a lion. And he foresaw a perpetual royal dynasty coming from Judah's line. And we can see how God was faithful to, to this vision. Because God appointed David from the tribe of Judah to replace King Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. But what's happened? We know that David dynasty was cut off like a tree during the exile. But again, God in his mercy and his compassion and in his faithfulness, he rose the prophet Isaiah to prophesy again that there you be a one, a new fruitful a new fruitful shoot from the stump of David his father Jesse and then when we turn to Matthew right in the beginning of the new testament we see that finally all those promises here from the old testament is fulfilled in Christ Jesus the anointed the king the son of david the son of abraham who conquered but there is the lamb here as well. There's this figure of the lion and this figure of the lamb. And what we can learn about the lamb here is very interesting. The first thing we can learn here, we are very used to, is the passive aspect of the lamb. Goes to the Old Testament, starting in Exodus 12, the lamb, and going until Isaiah 53. The Lamb is described as the suffering servant. So, throughout the Old Testament history, God was using this figure, the Lamb, to maintain, to renew, to sustain His covenant with His people. In other words, during the entire redemptive history in the Old Testament, God's people put the Lamb in charge. To maintain his covenant with his people. Now. When we move to the New Testament. We still see the Lamb. Still in charge. To mediate God's covenant with his church. In the same way. By removing our, our transgression sins. While putting away God's wrath. Which we deserved. So here is the lamb from the Old to the New Testament, in charge. But there is another thing very important here about the lamb that sometimes we don't see. It is the active aspect of the lamb. We always think about the lamb, this little calm, lovable animal. But I want you to see now here That the lamb is not only in charge to vindicate God's church. But also to judge God's enemy. This is the active aspect of the lamb. When we turn to chapter 6. When finally this scroll is opened. We see that this lamb. Who has seven horns. Which means complete power which has who has seven eyes perfect knowledge and we see that the lamb here has a perfect power and perfect knowledge to do what for why so at the end of chapter 6 verse 17 and 16 we see the active aspect of the lamb Which says, um, verse 16, we are told that the people are calling the mountains and the rocks upon themselves, saying, Fall on us and hide hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Can you see that? From the wrath of the Lamb. And from the for, for the great day, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stay? You see that The suffering lamb, it also is also the judging lamb, because he has complete power and perfect knowledge, because he's in charge of both. Of vindicating God's people through his blood. And to judge God's enemy through his wrath. So he is in charge. He is in charge of everything. This beautiful Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. And sometimes Jesus doesn't look like the Old Testament God. You're wrong. He's the lamb in charge to judge so what is the response that we have here? What's the response that we have here from, from John, from the 24 elders, the angels? The response is that we are charged with worship Him. We have been charged with worship. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Just as chapter four stopped, showed the living creatures and the 24 elders worshiping the Father for being the creator. Now here in chapter 5, the same people together with a innumerable host of angels worship the Son for being the Redeemer. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. In other words, worthy. He is worthy of all worship all worship why the answer is because he conquered he conquered you may recall that this heavenly worship start in verse in verse 5 when one of the elders announced that Christ had conquered but he didn't say what he conquered but now here the, open, the scroll is open and verse 9 and 10 says, and they sung a new song saying, "You are worthy to take the scroll and to open seals because and what follows is a list of things that Christ conquered and made him worthy and there is a list here very important of what Christ conquered that made him worthy. And the first thing is here. Is that by his death. And resurrection. Jesus Christ. Our Lord. He conquered all his enemies. By the way. Our enemies. He conquered. Sin. Death. And even Satan himself. He was not. Not. On the ground. Deadly. He was standing. Receiving all worship. So he conquered. Our enemies. Sin, death and Satan. And remember God's plan. A perfect people in a perfect place. Perfectly enjoying God forever. The only way. For God to attain that. Is that by sending his son. To conquer. Sin. Death. And Satan. And Jesus did so as a kinsman of Adam. He ransomed, he redeemed a people from every tribe, language, and nation. That's why he's worthy. We are not only, we are not alone here. You go to Brazil, you're gonna be, you're gonna listen to people worshiping in Portuguese to China to Mandarin. Wherever you go, God is ransomed. Redeeming a people from himself. And that's what our second point here. He's is, he is also worthy. Jesus is also worthy because he did all of this for God's glory. Verse 9. Worthy that you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed the people for God. I want to highlight that for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. For God. So let me say one thing. We are not the priority of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. God's glory is first and foremost. And that should shape us in what we do for God. What we do for the church. What we do for each other. Verse 10. On top of that. Christ is worthy because. He not just save a, a people for God. But he has made them a kingdom. And priests to God. In other words. He not only conquered. Sin, death and Satan. He conquered us. Because we were enemies. And now we are made God's priests. And I love this word here, priests, because it goes back to Genesis when Adam was placed in the garden to keep and guard. That's the word, priesthood. What God is doing here is undoing the fall by the blood of the the Lamb. We are back. And God conquered us. And finally. He is worthy because what he conquered. We will endure forever. We will reign. On earth. With. Our Lord Jesus Christ. You see. Jesus Christ did what Adam failed to do. Christ did. What any high priests were unable to do. Christ did what any David king could do before. That's why he's worthy. That's why he's worthy, and that's why we are charged with worship him. So before we go home, here, here goes two applications for us. The first is because Jesus is worthy, we should give him our devotion and obedience. Or as Paul says. In Philippians 1 verse 27. We should conduct ourselves. In a manner worthy of the gospel. Because Christ is worthy. We should conduct ourselves. In a manner worthy. Of the gospel of Christ. We should live. We should live in light of what we know. Second. Second. Because Jesus is going to redeem a people, as we read here, from every tribe and nation and language. We must do our part in getting the message out. We need to proclaim the gospel. Because Christ is not just worthy of our worship. He is worthy of increasing worship. In other words, let's tell the world, the lost, your neighbor, that you know, don't have Christ. Let's, let's tell them Christ, Christ was laying to pay for our sins. Let's give to the world the answer that we have from here today, from scripture. The answer to all those questions that we start today. And the answer is yes. There is a point to all of these, And the point is God's redemptive plan to make us a perfect people. Yes, there is a goal that we are heading toward. And the goal is a perfect place. A perfect place without pain, tears, death, sin, Satan. Yes, history does have a final destination. And it's a good one. At least for those who put their trust in Christ. Yes. Finally, there is someone in charge. There is someone in charge to bring all of this. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is the lion, but also who is the lamb. He is in charge and he is worthy of our worship. Let's pray. Almighty Father, thank you so much. For sending the lion, the lamb, our Messiah, our Christ, your Son, to die for us, to raise us, to bring us out of the darkness to your kingdom. Thank you, O Lord, for this amazing gospel, these amazing gifts. The gift of salvation. And today, O oh Lord, we, we thank you for not only saving us, but putting your seal upon us, the Holy Spirit, as a, as a guarantee. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit may apply those truths of the gospel in our hearts so that we may live in a manner worthy. Of what we heard today from you, O oh Lord. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit and His work in us. And now, O oh Lord, we turn to you. According to what he
3: Psalm 27, verse 6, we read, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make my melody to the Lord. Our worship liturgy moves through the sequence of cleansing by confession and absolution. and consecration, as we hear God's word preached, and we take it in and the Holy Spirit works in us. And then it's communion as we sit at this table for fellowship with God. This follows the Old Testament offerings of purification, ascension, and fellowship, or peace offering. Here in Psalm 27, sacrifices are accompanied with shouts of joy and singing to God. The psalmist doesn't say that we will offer sacrifices with quiet meditations on the suffering of the Messiah. He doesn't say that we will offer sacrifices by repeating smooth strains of, just as I am. He says that we will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, and the singing appears to be hearty and loud and vigorous. Here is our sacrificial meal. It is our fellowship or peace offering. Let us come to it with hearts full of praise and of joy. As we receive from God this bread, may our singing be joyful and be a testimony to one another that we believe that Jesus is the triumphant Savior. Savior. He is the worthy Lamb. Because he is. Welcome to Christ's table. Christ's body, broken for us. Let's pray.
0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com That's C-H-R-I-S-T K-I-R-K-M-I dot com. Again, thank you and blessings.